Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, welcome back. This week we've got a winner. And by winner, I mean a colossal cinematic shit show. (laughs) We are talking about the 2003 sci-fi comedy Evil Alien Conquerors. They rule. They rule. If you've ever wondered what makes an evil alien conqueror, the theme song will explain it to you. They're evil because of their plan. They're aliens from a strange land, and they're conquerors because they'll conquer you. So if you oh, got yeah. those three things, you got it made right there. Yep. Movie was made on a budget of a half a million dollars. Um, I'm going to say almost all of that is from product placement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Between Smirnoff Ice, Crystal Geyser Water, and Sun Chips. Gone the Holy Trinity. There you go. And honestly, this movie is so far so far gone that rotten tomatoes doesn't even know about it or maybe rotten tomatoes knows about it and they've agreed not to talk about it i think like no one knows about this movie because i mean i i weirdly found out about it because i used to just like hang out at a video store you know yeah i would just grab anything off the shelf that kind of caught my eye yeah and yeah man like i had to turn so many people onto this movie like they just have no idea and then once you show it to someone you and that person will be just quoting the stupid shit in this movie for like exactly yeah no exactly um and and honestly that's a great way to live life if you are one of these folks who won't see a movie unless it's a summer blockbuster first of all you're listening to the wrong podcast yeah maybe, (laughs) maybe you're listening to the right one and you need to learn some things but if you just if you just look at the movies and say, oh, that looks stupid. Let's see what that's about. Your life is going to be a lot more fun. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, you're going to pick some turds once in a while. And you're going to say, what the hell am I watching? This is stupid. But just as frequently, you're going to pick something that makes you say, what the hell am I watching? This is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, this is the second one. This is the second one. On it, this movie was probably made as a tax loss. Yeah. Producers will, will make movies, and then when it gets toward the end of their fiscal year, there's a possibility that they're going to owe more in taxes than they're comfortable owing. They will deliberately make a movie that fails, hopefully with somebody else's money, and that reduces their tax liability for the year and i think that's what this was the, oh, yeah. resu- the result of that plan is 89 minutes of what the hell am i watching the movie was directed by chris matheson best known for the bill and ted movies the goofy movie bill and ted's excellent adventures tv series yeah uh i think also it's like that guy really wanted to make another like bill and ted movie or like a or like kind of like a clone of bill and ted yeah and this was like their instead of doing like time traveling like weirdo duo friendship thing. It's like the most inept aliens he could like find. 
It's almost <laughs> like he deliberately tried to make a cult classic. Yeah. And, and you can't do that. You can't do it. I mean, you can try. It will not work. Uh, if you try to make just a low budget film and I know what funny is, which this guy obviously knows what's funny. Yeah. Then you can roll the dice on whether or not it's going to be a, a cult classic. If you set out to try to make a cult classic, you will always fail. Yeah, it's like it's got to be like lightning in a bottle, you know. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. Even then, it's not a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. Once you accept that it's not supposed to be a serious movie, it is supposed to be slapstick over the top. Oh, yeah. If you go in thinking this is like a serious movie and they're like the really evil alien conquerors, you're going to be shut down like in the first minutes. Also, if your idea of humor is Daniel Tosh, fuck you. This movie isn't for you. Yeah, no. <laughs> <It's like> a... <laughs> in fact, it's, it's like to me, it's like a live action like Futurama kind of like spinoff or something. It's like you got that's, like, a, that's a pretty good description of it. Yeah. You got a weird slacker that just hates his life. And then you got like a weird alien civilization and then you just got like nonstop stupid jokes. Yes. These stupidest jokes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Written by Chris Matheson and Ryan Rowe. Ryan Rowe is known for Charlie's Angels and Tapeheads. How the hell did he get mixed up in this? I don't know, but I love Tapeheads. That's a great movie. That's another <laughs> buddy movie that's kind of like the underground. Yeah. The names on this film, how they got <laughs> all these people to come together for $500,000 just blows me away. Oh, yeah. C cinematography by Russell J. Lister, known for his work as Gaffer on The Sandlot electrician on flash gordon and star wars episode six return of the jedi camera operator on indiana jones and the temple of doom okay everybody's everybody's career takes a slump at some point i get it <laughs> and cinematographer on mortal kombat annihilation that's a good movie i like that one yeah mortal kombat annihilation is a really bad movie yeah but it's like when it's like what am i watching yeah Costumes by Grace Yim, known for working on Kill Bill, Rampage, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, War for the Planet of the Apes, and the Showtime series Black Monday. Oh, yeah. Which is actually, if you haven't seen Black Monday, that's a really good series. I started watching it, didn't finish it. Need to go back and do that one day. Oh, yeah. It's like Wolf of Wall Street, except completely different. <laughs> <laughs> Sound effects editor Stephen Avila, known for Ray Donovan, Preacher, Magnum P.I., House of Lies, The Goldbergs, American Ninja Warrior, Elvira's Haunted Hills, Feast, and Feast 2 Sloppy Seconds. I love Feast movies. <laughs> I'll, I'll never love that trilogy at Alamine. That, that thing is a great weekend. Yeah. Movie stars Dietrich Bader as Mike. Deidre Bader, <laughs> known for Office Space, The Drew Carey Show, Napoleon Dynamite, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Space Force, Harley Quinn, BoJack Horseman, Beverly Hillbillies. Never, yeah, never forget that Beverly Hillbillies, man. <laughs> I love Diedrich Bader. I, I've, I like yeah. him in just about every failure he's ever appeared in, including he had a series on HBO not long ago. He also does like a, a lot of voice work. Or in not HBO on ABC. 
ABC? What yeah. was it? I can't even remember the name of it now. His co-star was that woman who was crap names. I can't name right now. That's cool. Uh, she was in Eastbound and Down. Oh, April? Yes. Okay, I, yeah, I remember what, yeah. I understand, like, uh, commercials for that. Yeah, it was horrible. It was worse than this movie. <laughs> but, I mean, it's the kind of, it's the kind of script that is perfect for Diedrich Bader's delivery, though. Yeah, he's got that voice, you know? Yeah, he does. And uh, he does, yeah, like, extensive voice for, for cartoons and shit. Yeah. Speaking of extensive voice work, also stars Chris Parnell as Doug, <laughs> probably best known as Cyril Figgis on Archer or Jerry Smith in Rick and Morty. Yeah, hell yeah, Doug, uh, I, I love this guy. His back Saturday Night Live days. You know, oh yeah, he, he was always the nerd, and he was like the nerd that occasionally busted like to hardcore rap. <laughs> uh, he's been like. Just small parts in a shitload of movies, just too many, too many to name. And yeah, I love that. Like yeah. you know, he, he's on two popular adult animation shows. It's right. He also appeared in Family Guy and American Dad, and had parts in Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story, Anchorman, and Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah, I mean he's there, and that voice, man, it really stuck. Everybody in this cast kind of got like a or. Most of the people in this is like a, a really standout voice. Yeah. Like Phil, Phil Lamar's in it for like a minute. Yeah. He's got like three lines yeah. and, and <laughs> all he does is stand there and shout. And it's great. Yep. Uh, next we have Michael Weston as Kenny. He has roles on Law and Order SVU, the Dukes of Hazard, Scrubs and Six Feet Under. That's the Dukes of Hazard movie, not the Dukes of Hazard TV series. Yeah. He's way too young for that. Yeah, uh, I I love this character Kenny. Uh, a lot of times I feel like I'm this guy, you know. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I can see that because Kenny's this guy who he can't really get it together, but he's willing to go along with just about anything. Yeah, he's got like uh, kind of like a uh, like a kind of he, he doesn't have a good attitude, but when he's stuck, he's like, I, I want to see what I can do with this. I want to see how far this will go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to kind of watch it, you know. Eldon Henson is Ron. Oh, man. And now he started out as a kid performing in commercials, but he's also, I mean, he was in the Mighty Ducks films. He was in the Butterfly Effect. And he's also appeared in the Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and the Defenders TV series. And he had a part in the final Hunger Games movie. Yeah, I love him in... uh... The, as the in the Daredevil as Froggy is like yes. one of my favorite characters. Uh, yeah, he's got he's got range too. Like a lot of people just like wrote him off as like, oh, you're the tough kid from uh, Mighty Ducks, you know? Yeah, but yeah, no, nah, this this kid he he does so much cool shit. Like you don't even know. Like uh, it's just he's funny when he needs to be funny. He's creepy when he needs to be creepy. He's super creepy, and you know who he kind of reminds me of. Who? It kind of reminds me of Connor McSweeney. Yeah. And like when he's on the camera, you can't stop watching. Yes. Yeah. He's a cool dude. And my favorite character the entire movie, Tyler Labine as the giant croaker. Oh, God, man. I love it. Like, he's one <laughs> of those actors like just kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. And like he did a bunch of real cool shit. And like 
kind of disappeared, but every once in a while he'll just pop up in something. Right. He has this- just kind of popped up in Tucker and Dale versus Evil, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Voltron Legendary Defender, and Boston Legal. He was he also had a show called Reapers. Okay. It was like weird as like a bunch of Grim Reapers, but they were like slackers. Oh, I've heard, I remember seeing something about that. Yeah. It, it came on like UPN. But like this is like right this is way before he got big in this movie. And right. He killed he kills it, man. I'm sure that all of his scenes in this movie had to be shot in a single day because there's no way he had any voice on the second day. Oh yeah. Or like he, he had to like like work one one off, you know, kind of like that, you know. Like, I mean, he screams at the top of his lungs through the entire movie, so they had to shoot it all in one day. <laughs> There's just no way this guy could talk on day two. In fact, at some points in this, you do hear his voice starting to go out on. Oh well, yeah, it was like you can definitely tell too yeah. when they edit the takes and stuff. Like he's like maybe had to like take a minute, you know. So we open with a shot of a red desert landscape and a pretty catchy drum beat. This is the planet Cabbage, or Cabbage, depending on who's saying it. Yeah. We get a long shot of two people walking toward the camera as credits and the opening theme plays forever. Yeah. They they spent money to have some like punk rock band write that track. Yeah, they're gonna use a track. You know, this is the only song that ever plays in this movie. We get this real drum-based version of it in the beginning. We kind of get a hair metal version of it at the end, but that's the only song that ever plays in the movie. Everybody is also wearing flannel onesies. Yeah, <laughs> mostly black. Rabir is wearing robes and a turban. Mike and Doug are wearing red ones. Mike and Doug are given their orders to go to Earth and destroy all human life by decapitating the entire population of the planet using their huge swords, which have been imbued with Khadijian magnificence. Yeah, they're like huge-ass like Highlander swords, you know? Yeah, just massive swords. They have 822,000 Tilkrons to complete their mission. After which the giant Croker will be sent to Earth. And we see Croker. Croker's massive. A couple of guards walk a chained prisoner up to him, and Croker plucks the guy's head off like a grape and eats it. <laughs> oh, man. I like, he's just the, the body language, and like, he's like wearing a diaper. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> tells it. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, Mike and Doug swear by Rabir's flapping jowls that they will succeed. They're told that the last conquerors that were sent to Earth were destroyed by the transporter, which probably works a little better now. Yeah, I love that. It's like... <laughs> it just stops, like, full stop. It sounds like he's, like, going about, like, going about, like, the science of how it works and stuff. It's like he does it. It works yeah. better now, you know, and it's like, yeah. okay. <laughs> Well, the transporter is a guy with a helmet that transports Mike and Doug to Earth and kills the guy wearing the helmet. Yeah, it's like a flashbulb from like an old timey. (laughs) (laughs) They just jump cut the the guys out of there and then like the dude just goes full limp. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And Rabir thinks that's funny. He gets a little chuckle every time the transporter guy gets killed. And the transporter will, guy will die several times in this 
Yeah, there's a new guy every time. <laughs> yep. Well, the guys appear, Mike and Doug appear in the air over a strip mall in what we're told is Palmdale, California. And as they appear up in the air, Kenny witnesses their arrival. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Now, this wasn't actually filmed in Palmdale, California. This is Santiago Square. It is at the intersection of Santiago Road and Sierra Highway in Acton, California, which is just south of Palmdale on the outskirts of L.A. I had to look all of this up because you can see the signs of all the businesses in this strip mall. Yeah. One of them is one of those goofy rhyming names. It's Dancing in Acton, (laughs) which is a dance studio that's still open. This strip mall actually works, uh, exists on both sides of, uh, of San Diego Road, and, and they film on both sides of the street. I don't know how they got the strip mall, but they did. And man, most of the movie takes place in this parking lot. Oh, yeah. Except for like, I think like one scene where they go out to the country, it's mostly just in the strip mall. Yeah, I think the little weedy bit behind where everybody lands is probably behind the strip mall. The desert, which is the planet Cabbage. <laughs> Why they named the planet Cabbage? Cabbage? I don't know. Yeah, it, that's out in the desert. But the rest of this, I think, is in this little strip mall or behind it. Yeah, I think that desert's like, is it like Vasquez Rock or Vasquez Lake? I'm not like, sure. Are they like, because it has that, that same, like, you know, like, Every uh, Star Trek thing where they go to a planet, it looks like that. Right. And it's that's basically filmed out there, you know. And um, there's a, a scene in uh, Bill and Dead 2, like it's filmed out there where they're making fun of Star Trek and shit. Yeah. But yeah, other than those two locations and like a couple interiors in Kenny's apartment, it's all in the strip mall, which right. I like about it. It's, it's kind of cool. It's simple and it's cheap. And I like that. Well, the guys fall to the ground from pretty high up. They love to drop dummies in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they land in the most horribly contorted positions. And then just this genius cheese move of just keep the camera on them in that twisted up unnatural position. <laughs> their swords appear after they have recovered from their fall, but it looks like their swords have been shrunken down to the size of very large toothpicks. Yeah. That's okay. They can still carry out their mission because they have 822,000 Tilcrons to carry that out. That works out to about two and a half Earth days. There's no problem. No problem. Mike and Doug walking through the strip mall parking lot when Kenny approaches them. He thinks they're aliens since he saw them fall out of the sky. They are going into a restaurant to start their takeover of Earth. This is a restaurant that's right there on the corner of this in this strip mall it's called grizzly bear burgers yeah it kind of reminds me of like a like bonanza or ponderosa or... it does look kind of like a ponderosa when you walk like into a, it yeah i love this or uh, a golden corral golden corral yeah i just love this scene like because they you're not they walk in and like then like they walk like, in and the camera stays at the door and i love yeah. that and then like the manager comes out and then they start yelling at him, but like you're still at the doorway of the place and they're like down the hallway. And I just yeah. imagine somebody in that, like in that Ponderosa and just seeing this, you know, while I'm trying to eat, you know? Well, here's the great I, thing 
is this is completely believable. You can 100% believe that on, on a semi-regular basis, messed up or drunk homeless people walk into this place and cause a scene because the manager just kind of uh, fine and, and throws them out. Yeah. <laughs> like, here we go again. So we stand, the camera stays at the door and we see them walk in and the hostess walks up to them and you can hear Mike and Doug shouting at the top of their lungs that they are here to take over Earth. (laughs) The hostess calls for the manager, Mr. Bream, and they start threatening Mr. Bream. Well, Bream doesn't call the cops on them. He warns them about, he just escorts them out. Yeah, they're they're trying to like take over the world with like toothpicks, swords. Yeah, and they're wearing footy pajamas, so they look insane. They yeah, they look completely stupid. And he's just like, "Boys, just stay out of the fucking restaurant," you know. <laughs> and he just like walks <laughs> and just it's walks right. them out. Yeah, I ain't got time for this shit. Also, like, there's people actually going into the restaurant to go eat. Like, in that yeah, scene. it's like, almost like they filmed this while the restaurant was open, and and they probably did. Oh man, that's just so genius to me. I don't know. Hey, can we can we film here for like an hour? We'll give you a thousand dollars. Hey, cool. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. What do I got to do? Uh, just get two idiots out of your restaurant. Hey, yes, sign me up. You know, especially if there's an art college near here. This happens like every three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Mr. Bream throws him out and they start to walk away. And Kenny, Kenny's still there. He wants to know what their plan is to take over the world. They're, they're not real interested in Kenny, but Kenny's really interested in them and offers to, to give them a ride to his house. They can crash at his house. Yeah. They're not up for that. So he warns them about the wind there at night. And it's weird, too. I lived in San Diego briefly, and I was out one night going to the store, and the wind was blowing like crazy, like, the, like it does here when there's a storm coming in. But no, it's just blowing there because it, it's night, and this is what we do. I love that, too. Man. Like The dialogue in this movie is what really sells it. Yeah. Because it's like really clever dialogue and really good jokes. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. We need, we're, you know, you're beneath us. We need no ride, you know? It's like, all right, you know, I thought, you know, I thought I'd just be a bud, you know? And it's like, you know, be, look out for that wind, you know? And it's like, we need no ride. And then, like, wind starts picking up. And just blows them away. And then, like, yeah, dog goes, like, bam. And then still, like, Mike's like, no ride. And then, like, bam. <laughs> <get knocked out. laughs> oh, God, it's shit. Well, they must have taken Kenny up on his offer because in the next scene, they're at his house and he's offering them a Smirnoff ice, which they immediately enjoy. They also begin with their standard toast, enthuse for Rabir. Yeah, I like that. Uh, that whole joke where it's like uh, Thor, you know, like when yeah. Thor, like by Odin, mighty, you know, it's like that. <laughs> but like it keeps on getting more and more ridiculous, you know. By Rabir's flabby butt. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kenny asks who Rabir is, and Mike explains that he's the leader of their planet, and he will now recite a poem about Rabir. Oh, man. Doug suddenly has to go pee. 
He drank his Smirnoff ice a little too fast. Kenny points him to the bathroom where Doug takes a, a very long leak and then immediately sticks his head in the toilet bowl. Yeah, it doesn't even flush. He does not flush. He does not flush. He relieves himself. He sticks his head in the toilet bowl. Then he goes back out in the living room and announces that he just did that. Mike thinks that is a fantastic idea. He's going to go stick his head in the toilet bowl, too. While he's in there doing that, he discovers nudies in the bathroom. Oh, my God. It's like an FHM or... uh... Oh, man, what was it? it was like men's fashion magazines, but were like, yeah, uh, like Maxim, Maxim, yeah. And uh, oh man, <laughs> and, yeah, <laughs> it causes him to almost start to convulse. It looks like, yeah, he goes in like short circuit mode where his eyes can't stop flashing. He's like, he just goes nudies, like over and over, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like walks backwards, like I don't know, yep, in a weird hop. This is when we discovered that Kenny has a roommate because you can hear squeaking bed springs coming from the bedroom. That's Kenny's roommate, Ron. He gets laid a lot. Eh. Go, Ron, go. Go, Ron, go. Oh. Go, Ron, go. I think, I think he's <laughs> here jumping on his bed, eating chips and drinking shit, and just to make his friend feel like, like you know. Probably. Loser. Probably. Because he seems like kind of like a dirtbag that would do that. Well, you hear sounds coming from the from the bedroom that sounds like Ron is finishing up with what he was doing in there. He immediately comes out of the bedroom. He's wearing a red bathrobe and socks. And he starts giving Kenny a bunch of crap about bringing friends over. Kenny pays some of the rent, so he has some rights. But Ron explains how much of a loser Kenny is. Mike and Doug decide that Ron will die begging for mercy, and they will gladly provide it. He will die painfully. (laughs) You will die begging for mercy, and we will gladly provide it. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Ron really likes sun chips and crystal geyser water, and he also makes infomercials. Then he heads back into his room, and as soon as he closes his door, the uh, bed spring starts squeaking again, and you hear the chant of, Go, Ron, go! Go, Ron, go! Coming from inside the room. Oh, God. (laughs) This is old hat for Kenny, because he's just nodding along with it. Go, Ron, go! Go, Ron, go! (laughs) (laughs) It quickly becomes clear that Ron is the only person in that bedroom. Oh, yeah. And there's just like uh, crystal geyser bottles and empty sun chip things all over the place. Yes. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> Later that night, Mike and Doug are discussing their day. Doug asks Mike if he likes Smirnoff ice. And Mike says, no, I don't. Doug says, neither do I. I wonder if there's more in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Mike takes this opportunity to tell Doug about the nudies. It turns out on the planet Cabbage, they are never allowed to undress. That is just a a social taboo, not something they do. Yeah, They're born in their flannel onesies, and they die in their flannel onesies. Well, this is just another reason to kill all the humans. So they headbutt each other, knocking each other out. (laughs) 
You see Mike laying on the bed, yelling, mumbling about nudies, nudies. And he wakes up screaming and Kenny and Doug are already awake and they're sitting there watching him, which causes Kenny to say, I had no dreams. Yeah. Oh, man, that thing is like genius. But first he's, <laughs> and he's saying it. And then he, he goes like through the whole spectrum of like emotion. It's like, yeah. Uh, he goes from amusement to excitement yeah. to fear to anger to terror and then wakes up and i had no dreams yeah he screams <laughs> full force and then stops and then goes i had no dreams and the, like they're like past the, the <laughs> it's a fold out bed in the living room right they're just like sitting in the dinette area and it's right. like eating, and they're like sup you <laughs> know What's up, Mike? You cool? You're like, I had no. <laughs> okay. Well, cool. <laughs> Kenny and Doug have been talking about their plan to kill all the humans, and Kenny's been doing a little math. And it turns out, in order to kill six billion people in two days, they're going to have to behead seventy thousand people every second. Damn. And. So Kenny is trying to explain, you know, this will never work. The whole time Mike's going, not a problem. Yeah. Our superior intellect, we can knock this out. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's cool. Kenny explains that he doesn't have to be at work until six o'clock that evening. So maybe he can help them out with their plan. (laughs) They they will make sure he dies quickly and painlessly. You will die quickly and painlessly. (laughs) They're at a hardware store looking for better weapons since their swords are little teeny tiny things. Kenny is trying to explain everything to a hardware store employee who just says, okay, so like, how are you going to play pay for all this? <laughs> I don't care why you're buying a machete. I just want to know how you're going to pay for it. Yeah, I love this scene. Like the whole spiel that he gives that guy. Yeah. It, they're walking you know, down the aisle in a hardware store. And you got two like uh, grown ass men in baby pajamas, like just <laughs> background. And they're like the the hardware guy kind of looks concerned, but it's like at the same time not really, you know. And it's oh god, it's so funny. Yeah, and his dialogue's fucking great. Them in the background, it's it's just this movie's low key genius. I don't know. That's me though. But yeah, I really, really, really like this movie because it was so very bad yeah well they gotta gotta find some money now yeah so kenny drops him off on the corner next to a line of six or eight mexican guys because well that's how you make money yeah they're like at the in the line at the home depot exactly at the other end of the strip or something and as soon as Kenny pulls off, a pickup truck pulls up, and a woman inside says, you looking for work? And the two guys, Doug and Mike, get in the back of her truck, and they pull off. Now, she, she actually said, are you boys looking for work? And as they're driving down the road, Doug and Mike are in the bed of the truck. She's up front driving, and they're trying to explain to her that they're not actually boys. Yeah, they're actually full grown and they're evil alien conquerors. And that lady that that's playing this part, she's a great actress. She's been in a lot of shit. And I just, yeah, she's like in Donnie Darko and shit. Yeah. But yeah, I love her. She's like, whatever she's in, she's great. Yeah, that's uh, 
I, I didn't look her up. Uh, sorry. No, nah, it's cool. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when you see this movie, you see her, it's like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, she hires them as day laborers. They're going to go and, uh, you know, do some yard work. Yeah, they're at her house mowing the lawn and, and cleaning up the landscaping while she is sitting on the swing getting her perv on. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> and she tries very unsubtly to seduce Doug, asking him if he wants to a drink and those clothes look hot. Why don't you take them off? Meanwhile, Mike is in the front yard with the lawnmower until he actually runs over his own foot with it. <laughs> and just shreds the footy in his footy pajamas. Oh man! Yeah, <laughs> he, he like, had... pushes up a hill and then like it, it, like just let go, and then he's like taking a moment to rest. Yeah, and it he's like, oh, I can just mow it like this. Then like, yeah, he does it like two or three times, and he just like runs right over his foot. Yeah, there's a little <laughs> hill there, and he pushes it up there, and he lets go, and it rolls back on its own. So he moves it over, and he pushes it up some more, and it rolls back. And this is big fun. He pushes it up once more, it rolls back one more time, and runs over his foot and shoots red flannel out the sh- out the discharge. <laughs> well, he heads into the backyard to tell Doug what happened, and boy, is he in for a shock. As Doug has taken down the top of his red flannel onesie and he is rubbing their employer's bare feet all over his face. Drinking Smirnoff ice. Drinking Smirnoff ice, yeah. This whole movie is one hour and a half long commercial for Smirnoff ice. Yeah. <laughs> this like, freaks uh... Mike out. So he starts he starts twitching again and and backs out of the yard back at the mall. They are dropped off by their employer, who says, bye, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Is there that little wave over his shoulder? Like, he's trying not to wave at her, but, like. Right. <laughs> and then, like, don't make me kill you, Doug. A sneaky wave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now they have enough money to pay for a chainsaw and a machete. So. Now they've got the tools they need to decapitate the entire population. Oh, yeah. Next, they need to practice beheading. So Kenny takes them to a field where there's a cow. They can't convince the cow to stand still so that they can chop its head off. And so they're running around chasing the cow, begging the cow to stand still, threatening the cow. None of that works. Also, Mike can't get the chainsaw started because it doesn't have any gas in it. So yeah. they got to siphon some gas out of the car. Kenny assures him, I got plenty of gas in here. Oh, yeah. Like, no problem. Yeah. Remember that. Also, like, at, at, at this point in the movie, you don't know if Kenny is actually trying to help these aliens, like, with their mission. Or if he already recognized how inept they are and is just fucking with them. Because he's, like, sitting on a fence the entire time watching them fuck around with his cow. That may be part of it. I think Kenny really wants to be part of their plan, but he's just as inept as they are. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, you know, he's, he's finally got something in his life, you know, and then yeah. like, at the same time, everybody's kind of a dumbass. Well, they get the chainsaw running, but the cow has had enough of this at this point. And the cow starts chasing Mike and Doug and then just kind of rams them, headbutts them, and, and throws them across the field. Again, you get to see the stuffed dummies landing oddly. 
they really hold that camera angle too, man. <laughs> and it's like, uh-huh. You know, you might see some a mannequin falling, and then maybe it hits the ground, and then you immediately see the person moving. Not these guys, no. We're going to see the mannequin flailing around all the way through the air, hit the ground, and then we're going to stand here and look at it for a second. Yeah, that leg totally looks unnatural. All bald. <laughs> it's awesome. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're heading home, but guess what? Kenny ran out of gas. Man, I could have swore I had like a whole thing of gas. In. Yeah, he did. Till <laughs> until they siphoned it out for the chainsaw. They must have used a lot of gas in that chainsaw. I think Mike just drank most of it when he's trying to siphon it out. There's that too, you know. Yeah. If he drinks Smirnoff ice, he probably drinks gasoline. Oh, I love this bit, though. They're like walking down the street with the gas can. Yeah. And it's like the road. There's like nothing around. Every time <laughs> like a car drives by, like, you know, he's like trying to. But like at the same time, they're like. They're talking about, like, you know, their plan to kill everybody. But then, like, they're like, hey, Kenny, um, what is this? Like, because, like, uh, they're li- uh, dogs listening on the headphones, you know, like yes, cassette thing. And he's like, oh, man, that's the that's Super Trip. Yeah, Super he's Tramp. listening to Super Tramp. Yeah. Fuck the logical just, song. Oh, man, that's a great song, too. <laughs> and they're like, we hate this. And, and But they can't stop listening to it. Exactly. It's like, like the, uh, the it's like the Smirnoff Ice. They really hate Earth and their stuff, but they can't get enough of it because, like, you know, they live on a planet with nothing going on. So it's exactly. like, yeah, I'll drink Smirnoff Ice and uh, listen to Super Tramp. You know, well, while they're doing all this, they're coming up with a new plan to decapitate all the humans. Mike wants to use a big magnet. I just fly the magnet over the people and use the magnet to pull their heads off. That's a really good idea. Except people's heads aren't made out of metal. But then some people do have metal plates in their heads, but you'd probably just pull the plate out of their head. You probably wouldn't pull their head off. Yeah. <laughs> he has to explain <laughs> why their plans suck. Well, Kenny drops them off at a dry cleaners to get their onesies cleaned, and he'll meet them back here at midnight. Inside, we meet Jan, played by Tori Spelling, and Penny, know, I- played by Leslie Yeager. And Tori Spelling refused to allow them to put her name in the credits. This movie was that bad. But at the same time, like, it's Tori Spelling. Like, everybody recognizes your face. I don't exactly. Care. It's like that person, you know, who said, oh, I don't want to give you my name, but I'll appear on camera and tell you what I saw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the girls give the guys robes to wear while they clean their onesies. And that's when Mike notices... Not only did these women have incredible unibrows, which caused Doug to immediately fall in love, they also have hobbit feet. Oh, God. They have very hairy feet, and that wins Mike over as well. And after they leave, Penny and Jan decide that Mike don't know who the girls really are, but they probably have to kill the guys anyway. Yeah. And you're like, dun, 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 what's this? But like, yeah, you know, it's not a genius movie. So if yeah, something's like, up, you should immediately know what's up. But we're not going to spoil it yet. We're just not gonna go yet. With- we'll spoil it yeah. for you in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mike and Doug are back at Kenny's house and they tell them they tell Kenny their pan their plan for Penny and Jan over more Smirnoff ice. So they're going to kill everybody on earth including Kenny, but they're not going to kill Penny and Jan because they love Penny and Jan. This kind of pisses Kenny off. It kind of like, does. Dude, I'm, I'm doing all this work for yeah. you. I've, I've helped you guys out, give you a place to stay. But because they're women and because you're in love with them, I got to get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but we'll put your head on a giant spike, a huge spike. Yeah. Kenny's not as impressed by that as Mike and Doug are. Meanwhile, Ron is at it again. Go, Ron, go. Go, Ron, go. <laughs> and then Ron comes out to insult Kenny and Mike and Doug, all three. That night, Mike and Doug are watching Static on the TV and planning to hide from Croker. Oh, God. Uh, this is like, oh, man. They're smashed on Smirnoff again. They, they are completely drunk. I mean, Kenny or Doug must have drunk three Smirnoff ice because he's just wasted. But they sound like little kids that are like planning to like, I don't know, jump Santa Claus or something for presents, you know? Right. It's it's like two little kids like, maybe if we just like wait, you know, and we can hide and turn ourselves into chairs. And it's just it's yeah. so stupid. Yeah, that's one of one of Doug's plans is they can upholster themselves and pretend to be chairs. And Croker will sit on the chair and be so happy with how comfortable the chair is, never really knowing that he's sitting on them. And then he'll just go home because... Right. It, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, God, it's, it's so fun. Yeah. Mike wants to control human minds and convince them to behead themselves. And I don't know that that's going to work either. Well, they wake up Kenny to tell him their new plan. <laughs> Over cereal and Smirnoff ice. They Gross just gum. need to rent an airplane to circle the globe very, very slowly. Yeah. And that Kenny's pretty sure that's not going to work, but they insist. So he makes the call. Yeah. And he's he like uh, at rental place. Yeah. And he tries to convince, he tries to explain to the guy what they want. And then he realizes that this really is. As stupid as it sounds, and just hands the phone to to Mike and says, "Here, you just talk to him. I'm not. Oh, I'm not doing this yeah. anymore." He like no. They're like he's trying to explain it to him. He's like, uh, and he's like, um, and they want to do it for free. That's the thing. Like uh, the, Mike's like, no, right? We won't rent. We won't pay him. You tell him he does it for free. Or, exactly. You know, they will it. not pay you. They will order you to do it. Yeah, in fact, he orders you to do it, and, and and that's when like Kenny's like, you know what? Here, fuck it, and he gives him the phone. <laughs> that's it, right? Right. He starts choking the phone, and yeah, plastic. The guy says something to him that they don't like, and and so they explain. Mike says, you know, we're gonna kill you in a horrible and painful way, and here's just a sample of it. And he chokes the phone. And then Doug slaps the phone and then Mike chokes it some more and Doug slaps it again and Mike chokes it some more and Doug slaps it again. And then finally, Kenny just snatches it away from him and says, don't break my damn phone. Yeah. <laughs> oh my <God. laughs> it's 
funny every time. <laughs> they do it on the choking and slapping where it's been going on for like 30 minutes. It's yeah, it looks like it's been going on a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kenny's got a better idea. They put Mike in a trash can and light a stick of dynamite under it. <laughs> They're going to Wiley Coyote this stuff. Where'd you get dynamite? I, I don't know, but I've had it for a while. And I just think it'd be really he was cool. saving it for 4th of July. Yeah, literally a stick of dynamite. <laughs> yep. And it blows up all right. And then Mike is left there with the cartoon explosion face with his hair all sticking up. <laughs> I thought like before the dynamite blows up, he's like trying to get like a like a, a very cool pose. So like he's like, no, nah, nah, yeah, he's, he's trying out different superhero flying through the air poses. And he goes through about four of them and the dynamite goes off and he says, did it work? No, <laughs> no it didn't man. work. That's but okay, Doug's though. Like, Doug's like still hyped about it. He's like, yeah, all right. Yeah. A friend. Kenny's got another idea, though, and he ties a bunch of helium balloons to him and they start to float up into the sky. Kenny says, wow, you guys are really light. And they said, we're basically 70 percent gas. <laughs> <laughs> and they float up into the sky until they hit some power lines. <laughs> and I loved this. You see the shower of sparks, right? Yeah. And then somebody just dumps a bunch of deflated balloons Hell and then yeah. drops the two dummies. Dummies again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, Mike and Doug are sitting on the curb while Kenny goes to get lunch. A couple of kids ride up on their bikes and they start picking on Mike and Doug. One of them makes Doug cry. Mike yells that he will destroy them and runs off camera after him. And you hear some punching. We don't know yet if Mike beat up the kid or if the kid beat up Mike. <laughs> Either one is very plausible at this point. though. <laughs> I will go with the, the latter. I think the kid beat up Mike. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Kenny brought back nuggets and Mike and Doug explained their crayon drawing of a doomsday flying machine. It's called a doomsday machine because it will create a day of doom. <laughs> They're going to build it out of bikes that they stole from those two kids. Oh, yeah. So he got a building montage of hammering and, and tightening bolts. And Mike is sawing a board and accidentally saws his hand off. But that's okay because he can just put his arm back next to the hand and it looks like he didn't cut it off. Nice. Yeah. Also, they need more Smirnoff ice. A lot more. A lot. Uh, they finished the day machine is very tiring work and they need a nice cold brew. Exactly. <laughs> They finish their doomsday machine, which will bring utter devastation, much like the scum hag of anal anus. <laughs> That's the story I want to see. I want to see the story about the scum hag of anal anus. <laughs> they even have a plan to make sure the humans stand up so that they can be more easily beheaded. It seems they've taped a duct taped a boom box to the bike handlebars and it plays a tape of the Star Spangled Banner. So everyone will have to stand up when they hear it. Yeah. And then they got uh, toilet paper tubes. Yes. For, uh... The humans need to be able to hear their commands. So they have paper towel tubes hung around their neck on strings. And to make sure the humans wait for them. 
They're going to give them what they all want, nudies. And they That's... strip down to their alien tidy whities Oh, my God. Which looks like Depends undergarments. Yeah, with their little uh, evil alien conqueror logo. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike and Doug get on their bikes in their underwear and pedal down the street. The two kids that they stole the bikes from, because Kenny asked them where they got the bikes, and they just kind of ignored that question. Yeah. Well, the two kids go running after him saying, hey, he took my bike. And then we just find out, we find out just how versatile the doomsday machine really is because one kid fires one ball with his slingshot and wrecked the whole doomsday machine. <laughs> I love that. It's like, <laughs> of course, like, like Mike's up under the bike, the doomsday machine, and yep. then like on top of it, like just kind of like lying on like a bike, <laughs> like held on a bike. Oh, it's funny as shit. Yep. Mike and Doug are lamenting their failure. Mike has realized they are weaker than the humans and they cannot succeed. Croker will eat them and the other two, the two other alien, evil alien conquerors will show up and they will win the hearts of Penny and Jan. Mike will be a failure just like his father. Yeah, they got rock bottom. They're just like in lounge chairs in Kenny's backyard, like kind of like just. Just crying, just crying and, and lamenting their fate. Kenny drops Mike and Doug off so that they can wait for Croker to arrive. He'll meet them back there at 12. It doesn't matter where he drops them off. He's going to meet them there at 12. Yeah, <laughs> that's another running gag. In this. Yep. He tries to encourage him by suggesting that Croker just might forget to show up. He doesn't know anything about Croker, apparently. Yeah. It's like uh, you tell somebody, hey, Godzilla's going to come and kill us all, you know? And they're like, they've never seen a Godzilla movie, so it's like, yeah. But yeah, maybe. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the planet Cabbage, they are preparing to send the giant Croker to Earth. Croker is teleported to Earth, which, of course, kills the teleporter. And Rabir thinks that's worth a chuckle. <laughs> yeah, just like that. <laughs> a Kabijian comes up to Rabir and says, hey, what, why didn't you just send Croker in the first place? And that gets him told to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> why are you talking? <laughs> Doesn't matter that you make sense. Why are you talking? I am Rabir. Next, we, look, we get to see Mike, Doug, Penny, and Jan all at a dance party. And Mike is yelling for the DJ to play the Super Tramp. Yeah. Mike and Doug, they can't tell Penny and Jan that they're from Cabbage or Cabbage. So instead, they tell them they're from a place called Cabbage Land. And they're going to demonstrate how people dance in Cabbage Land. And oh, they man. very quickly win to themselves doing it. <laughs> yeah, that dance, I'm pretty sure Diedrich Bader did in the wedding scene in uh, Beverly Hillbillies. Probably. Like, it's almost like the exact same dance. <laughs> well, Penny and Jan take the guys over to a booth so that they can have some more Smirnoff ice and and calm down. Mike and Doug tell Penny, Penny and Jan who they really are, that they are evil alien conquerors come to kill everyone. Penny and Jan have not broken character yet, so they're still upset that, uh, you know, Mike and Doug plan to kill them. 
they tell the guys, look, if you truly love us, then you won't behead all of mankind. But they have their mission. They have their mission. They can't abandon their mission. And the girls have had enough. They said, look, you either pick the mission or you pick us. You can't have both. And the girls leave and the guys are just sad. So they go around pouring drinks on their face. They, <laughs> they dump their own Smirnoff ice on their faces. They dump the girls cocktails on their faces. They go over to neighboring tables and grab a pitcher of beer and dump it on their face until somebody confronts them. They, One of those shots where he's pouring Smirnoff ice on his face, I noticed was in reverse. Like uh, Doug, yeah. like they do it. Like Dietrich Bader does it like double fisted. He's like got two Smirnoff ices. And then he goes back to Doug. And they're like, yeah, the, the Smirnoff runs back up into the bottle. I thought that was weird. <laughs> I don't know why. We've got to make this out. last longer. So, yeah. yeah. Reverse shot. Well, a guy confronts him, says, hey, you can't do that. So they screech at him. This just ear splitting high pitch screech. And he says, fine, whatever, just go. And on their way out of the bar, they see Mike sees Jan flirting with Ron of all people. Ron yeah. is trying to set up this threesome that he has been saying all along will someday happen. Well, he's about to set it up with Jan and Penny. Mike and Doug try to try to stop Ron. Ron threatens the guys, so they decide to punch him, but they end up knocking each other out three in a three stooges incident. They just kind of punch <laughs> each other in the face. Yeah. Ron turns back to the girls only to discover that mm, the girls have already left. Ron swears he will repay Mike and Doug for their treachery, and he leaves. And then Mike tells Doug we have a new mission. They have to stop Croker from killing their would-be girl. So they've gone from being the, the bane of all human existence to being the heroes that save the day. Out in the desert, Giant Croker has landed with much shouting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love this guy. Except when the camera pulls back, there's a street sign there, and we see that Giant Croker isn't a giant anymore. He's just a normal-sized person. He's like five, eight, maybe six foot. <laughs> That's okay, though, because he believes he's still a giant. So he stomps off making stomping sound effects with his mouth. Just going. <laughs> yeah. <okay. laughs> with every step. As he walks off camera, his sword appears and falls to the ground. That's okay. He's already gone. He's not going back for it. His sword comes out like. Yeah. Like his. His giant sword shrunk down to be a normal-sized sword. Yeah. Mike and Doug are in the restaurant. They want to talk to Kenny. Mr. Bream tries to stop him, but they screech at him, and it's fine. He's in the kitchen. Just go. In the kitchen, they tell Kenny they need to use his car to get to the desert to stop Croker. Croker says, hey, do you guys actually know how to use a car? And they admit that they don't. So Kenny says, yeah, I'm going to have to say no this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, they say goodbye, but they don't leave. They just stand there staring at Kenny until Kenny says, I could give you guys some glow stick. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> so they each take a glow stick and they leave. They're going to go out to the desert to where, where they materialized to wait for Croker. 
and stop him. Except Croker's already come and gone. They don't know that, though. <laughs> yeah, as they're going out of the restaurant, Croker goes to the restaurant. And right. Just starts, like stomping and doing his thing and he yells in people's faces. <laughs> He's yelling at the at the at the hostess there and she says, Okay, you do you want to try the chicken? It's on special for $4.99. I will destroy you all. I am the giant broker. Mr. Bream, we got another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Two in one night. What the hell? I know. I mean, it was bad enough when the guys from the other night came back, but now we got this guy. They're multiplying, dude. They are. It's awful. (laughs) Mr. Bream tries to handle Croker and eventually just decides he's going to throw Croker out. That's when Croker pulls his ray gun. Oh, man. He's going to demonstrate what the ray gun is capable of. So he points it at some bottles against the wall and he pulls the trigger. And the world's slowest laser beam starts creeping across the room. And, and Bream just stands there watching. He's not doing anything about this. He's just watching. Yeah. Eventually, and it takes a while, but eventually the laser beam makes it across the room and touches one of the ketchup bottles, causing it to break. It's like the lamest Archimedes, like, death like <laughs> ever. It's like- First, you got to warm it up, then it comes out, and just like, yeah, inch by inch, it's just like, uh, yes, that's so funny. Well, that's enough. Bream just tells him, look, go talk to Kenny. <laughs> just go talk to Kenny. Kenny tells Croker that the guys are at his house, and before he leaves, Croker decides he's going to eat all the food in this place and starts trying to eat the meat right off the grill, but he charbroils his face. When Croker leaves, Kenny runs outside trying to find Mike and Doug. Mike and Doug are sitting in the desert with their glow sticks waiting for Croker to arrive. And they're rehearsing a list of their enemies for Croker to kill instead of killing everybody else. They definitely want him to kill Ron. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Mr. Breen, the cow. The cow, definitely the cow. The cow must pay. Then Doug notices Croker's giant sword shrunken down to a normal size. They think Croker might have become even larger and is headed to Kenny's house. So they run off to warn Kenny. And after they run off, well, who shows up but Kenny? And he finds Croker's sword. Cool. Got a sword now. Oh, man. Yeah, it's like in Laser Blast when he finds the laser out in the desert. Yes. He just goes full on like, you know. 10 year old kid and just starts like doing ninja and highlander moves <laughs> out there hey hey if i find a sword out in the middle of nowhere i'm probably gonna do the same thing 100 percent, absolutely yeah. meanwhile croker is still making the stomping sound effects with his mouth somewhere he got a map to kenny's house and he tries to giant kick the door down very very slowly <laughs> that doesn't work so he tries to huff and puff and blow the door down That also doesn't work, of course. Eventually, he just knocks on the door, and Ron answers. Croker shouts at him until Ron slams the door in his face. Well, Croker uses his very slow ray gun and burns a hole in the door. (laughs) (laughs) Ron's pissed now because I'm going to have to put a new door up. You burned a hole in my door. 
when Ron hears that Croker is here to kill Mike and Doug, he changes his tune entirely and invites Croker in. Because I love those guys. So, yeah, come on in. Out in the desert, Kenny is playing Star Wars Kid with Croker's sword. (laughs) 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 Meanwhile, Mike and Doug are running to Kenny's house, but it's taking way too long. So they grab the bumper of a Jeep. The guy puts the Jeep in reverse and backs over Mike and Doug. Then he puts (laughs) it in drive and takes off, dragging them behind the car. He's dragging dummies. It's those two dummies. It's definitely those two dummies, but it's funny. Yeah, it's great. He makes a turn and they go swinging out wide. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Ron has convinced Croker that the way to take over the world is by making an infomercial a la Billy Mays. Oh, man. I love this whole bit. Especially back when this movie came out, like that shit was like, like infomercials. Or just <laughs> oh. I mean, Billy Mays was hawking uh, OxyClean everywhere when this thing came out. Yeah. Watch how OxyClean unleashes the power of oxygen, making tough stains disappear like magic without fading or bleeding the colors. Like it was, it was the golden age of Billy Mays before, like he was like on YouTube things with people overdubbing and shit. Right. Oh, this is like the golden years of Billy Mays, you know. Yes, it absolutely was. And in this infomercial, Croker the Merciless will smash you beneath his enormous foot for only $29.95. And if you act now, you also get the belly twister. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, he's like sitting in this beach uh, backdrop. And then Ron turns the TV on and it's got a pre-recorded thing of Croker. And so then Croker's yelling at Croker. Yes. Who can turn down that uh, offer, Croker? Only an asshole, Croker. Oh, man. (laughs) That's one of those lines that I uh, I always quote. And like, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we see see Croker on the belly twister while he's blow drying his hair. Yeah. While he's cooking. Yeah. Smoking a pipe while reading a book. That's great. Playing a ukulele very, very badly. (laughs) (laughs) And playing tennis. Meanwhile, Mike and Doug let go of the bumper. They have been dragged all the way to Kenny's house. Nice. They didn't see any damage on the way there. So Mike thinks maybe Croker can fly now. (laughs) Because Croker would have stomped on all the houses, right? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Croker can fly now. Doug thinks a flying Croker is absolutely horrifying. And I agree. As they approach the house, Mike asks why they didn't take Croker's sword. And Doug explains in a perfectly logical way, because that belongs to Croker. (laughs) Well, inside the house, they tell Ron they're here for their weapons. Ron plays it off like he doesn't know about Croker, who happens to be in the bathroom. Ron starts describing Croker, and the guys realize Ron has definitely seen Croker. That's when Ron calls Croker to come out of the bathroom, and he comes stomping down the hallway, making his stomping sound effect. The guys grovel before Croker, who tries to crush them under his normal size foot. 
forgetting that he no longer has giant strength. It doesn't work. He just kind of rests his foot on Mike and Doug's heads. And it's kind of bizarre. Yeah. Like this whole damn movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like this whole movie. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Mike and Doug are filming an infomercial for the belly twister. They are tied to chairs and the cameras on them. Same palm tree background as Croker was. And they're explaining that they they could have saved their lives by ordering the belly twister for only $29.95 plus shipping and handling. Also, Croker is going to behead Mike and Doug if he can get the chainsaw started, which he can't because it doesn't have gas in it. Yeah. Also, this is like a like a cool throwaway line. He's like, man, when you cut their heads off, is it going to like make a mess and stuff? And Croker goes, nah, we're, we're basically like giant plants. Yeah. Yeah. He says, there's going to be a lot of blood. No, we are more plant than animal. Yeah. So it's like, they're just, they're like giant walking corn stalks or something. That's why they can't get hurt and stuff. They're just, they're just plants. That's how right. like, you know, when Mike cut his hand off when they were making the doomsday machine and he just reattaches it. Exactly, exactly. So Croker got kind of overheated trying to start the chainsaw, and Ron took him to the kitchen to get a crystal geyser. Oh, man. While he's in there explaining all of this, Mike uses his tiny sword imbued with Kabijian magnificence to cut the ropes that are tying his wrist behind his back. He cuts himself and Doug loose. Um, Doug's telling him he's brilliant. Mike's arguing I'm not brilliant. And then they go back and forth like a half a dozen times on that. Okay, maybe I am. They surprise Ron and Croker in the kitchen and they throw their tiny swords at Croker and their teeny tiny swords stab him in the neck with very disappointing results. Yeah, they really built that up too. Like they got that cool, (laughs) like the swords coming at Croker. And then it's like, uh, the tiny sword vision where it's like right. zooming in broker and it's just oh man and you think oh this is gonna hit. they're just gonna like dart dart him to death and uh huh. well we don't know what happened immediately afterward we just see croker tying the guys back up tying the guys back to the chairs <laughs> all over again doug explains that he has heard that their heads will have time to say goodbye after they've been beheaded because their heads stay alive for a few seconds after they've been cut off. Meanwhile, on the planet Cabbage, Rabir says that Croker's had enough time and orders him back to Cabbage. There's a flash from the teleporter who drops dead, which makes Rabir giggle. And then we see Kenny holding Croker's sword in the desert and he disappears. Back at Kenny's house, Croker is planning to behead Mike and Doug with a machete while Ron watches. Before he can do that, though, Penny and Jan burst in with their huge swords imbued with Khadijian magnificence. It turns out Penny and Jan were the first evil alien conquerors sent to Earth, and they didn't burn up in the teleporter the way everybody was told. They just didn't want to destroy all life on Earth. They, d- they love life on Earth. And they love Mike and Doug. Oh. A croaker shouts that he's going to destroy them, then immediately trips and falls on his face. <laughs> but he encourages himself to fight on. Yeah, he, oh, yeah. He, oh, man. What is this, Croker? Yeah, like, he, yeah, he's, he's 
up a like a pep talk like in the third person and shit. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Penny and Jan don't back down from him, so Croker's got to try some of his other tricks, including Croker laser eyes. Oh God. Croker mesmerizing. Croker fire breath. Croker body odor. Croker high note and the Croker power punch. Which is it's basically uh, Zangus uh, spinning <laughs> punch. From- <laughs> Except it's way too high. So the girls just duck down low and start punching him in the belly. <laughs> like kid punching him. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. One last try with the Croker tornado. And that actually works. He just Maybe, sticks yeah. his fists out to his side and spins toward him. Yeah, that's that's the one. That's the move from Street Fighter. That's the yeah. <laughs> that one actually works and knocks him down. He's about to take him out when Mike and Doug call his name and screech at him. And that screech takes Croker down and he lays on the floor crying. It's not over yet, though, because Ron has Croker's super slow laser pistol. Oh, yeah. However, the laser pistol has run out of go, Ron, go. Go, Ron, go. And it's kind of limp and is going straight down and burns Ron's foot. (laughs) (laughs) Then Mike and Doug both punch Ron in the face and knock him out. Back on Cabbage, Rabir wants to know where Croker is. He looks out of his tent just as Kenny appears in the air with Croker's sword. And as he falls to the ground, he decapitates Rabir. Rabir staggers for a second and then farts and then falls over. And his, <laughs> his disembodied head yells at Kenny to place me on a large spike. And Kenny goes, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> and then they all start back. Yeah, he just says, hey, everybody, I'm Kenny. And everyone shouts, enthuse for Kenny. For Kenny. Apparently, Kenny's in charge now. Back at the dry cleaners, Croker is on TV and an infomercial for Mr. Glute Twister, which is a little bit cheaper than Mr. than than the Belly Twister. It's only $24.95. Penny and Jan are watching this while they're using their belly twisters. Outside, Mike and Doug have a successful food truck selling evil alien conqueror burgers. And you know, I had to pause this as soon as they showed the menu. Oh yeah. You can get an evil alien conqueror meal, slime nuggets, turd pie, cat barf, or fries. Also, uh, the Coke, Diet Coke, Crystal Crystal Geyser, Geyser and and Smirnoff. Yeah. Yeah, Crystal Geyser and Smirnoff Ice. Penny and Jan (laughs) show up for lunch, and Mike tells the kids to take over. It's the same kids whose bike they stole. The, The same kids that beat Mike up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the four of them. Penny, Jan, Mike, and Doug are having a picnic on the roof of their Airstream trailer food truck. It's a pretty sweet little food truck, honestly. Oh, hell yeah. Mike and Doug are going to explain why they've been acting so oddly lately. You know, wearing the wigs and drinking shampoo and extensively studying law. (laughs) (laughs) It turns out Mike and Doug are pregnant. Aww. And in about 72 hours, they will welcome their first litters of baby evil alien conquerors. (laughs) The girls put their ears to Mike and Doug's bellies, and Mike's babies can can be heard shouting, You will die begging for mercy! And Doug's babies shout, 
and we will gladly provide it. <laughs> oh, man. Then there's an evil alien conqueror dance party on the roof of the food truck while the evil alien conqueror theme song plays. The camera zooms out to show a huge line at the evil alien cafe food truck and roll credits. They rule. They rule. This was <laughs> a really fun movie just for being as stupid as it was. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot going on plot wise. Not no. Like thinker or anything it's it's pretty much like a nice breezy sunday afternoon stupid movie uh, yes exactly but it's not an action film it's not a thriller it's not a mystery it's not gonna keep you engaged it's just one dad joke after another it's like a long ass skit you know yeah but uh i love i love the dialogue in the movie i love the uh the people's performances i think it's like it's just a, a great funny movie yeah but it it's the stupidest fucking movie ever <laughs> Not- i absolutely love croaker yeah he That's really stole- he bought in i mean he went all in on that role he held nothing back from that role and and that's what made it so much fun to watch i i highly recommend you go to Tubi and watch this movie because like we i i mean we i say that a lot but you, you really gotta hear these lines <laughs> a little bit and just to, to visually see how like just lackluster and kind of like stupid this movie is but also how genius it is in its lacklustering or right. whatever i mean these are basically b-list and c-list actors who are very good at acting. They pick parts that make sure they're not going to be amazing celebrities. They're going to be famous. They're going to live very well. But, you know, you won't see them on the red carpet on Oscar night. You won't see Will Smith slapping any of them. Yeah. And, but they deliver these role, these lines. They play these parts expertly. Yeah. See, for for maximum cheese. Also, it just seems like it's a bunch of people that are friends in Hollywood. Yes, they're just having a good time making a stupid movie, which I kind of love. I like I like seeing where an actors get to like actually like kind of enjoy what they're doing instead of like you know because you see like yeah these big movies where like you know uh what's his name Tom Cruise is yelling at like a, a stagehand or something and they get cord on somebody's cell phone right. Yeah. Oh, and it's like, oh man, it must be miserable on that set. But like in this one, it's like you totally tell everybody's just having a good time. Oh uh, yeah, nobody's taking this lot. seriously. Yeah. The only thing that I that I've got to say about that though is that Tori Spelling needs to get over herself. And if you're gonna take a role in a cheesy movie, you need to own that shit. Maybe she thought like with the unibrow, no one would recognize her. But at the same time, I think. Like, yeah, she was like on, uh, uh, she had, maybe it was like a year or so after this, maybe a couple years after this, but she had like a, she was like a reality TV, like yeah. a shitty reality TV show on E, you know? Yeah. All right, man. I think that's a podcast. Hell yeah. 
We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun making it. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us. You can follow CDF Pod on Facebook and Instagram or at CDF underscore pod on Twitter. You can also visit our website at CDFPod.com. And don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to Patreon.com slash CDFPod. Join us next time as we explore another movie so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made. Thank you.